Thank you, Mike. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these are significant words. Significant for us, significant for everyone who ever has and ever will live. Father, you want to reassure us about what will happen for us in eternity. Lord, would we feel that reassurance? Would we feel that hope? Would we feel that urgency to share this good news with those who don't yet believe in you? Lord, not out of a sense of duty, but may it come from a sense of joy in trusting this eternity that you've won for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The bodies uh, that God has given us are amazing. They really are. You might not have felt like that this morning um, when you got out of bed. I certainly didn't feel like it about an hour ago when I finished packing the car. But they are. The bodies that God has made for us are amazing things. There's lots of things that can be said about them. I looked up a few this week. The information that your body sends along your nerves travels uh, faster than 300 miles an hour. Again, it might not feel like that when you touch something hot, but it really does. It happens very, very quickly. Your body is able to replace the entire surface of your skin every month. We'll move on quickly from that before you sort of think too much about the ramifications. And laid end to end, an adult's blood vessels, just one human adult, could circle the Earth's equator four times. Don't try it, though. (laughs) Our bodies that God has made and given to us are, in fact, amazing. But like I said, it doesn't always feel like that, does it? Because, as Paul reminds the church in Corinth and us through this today, the bodies that we have now, who we are at the moment, is perishable. Verse 42, the body that is sown is perishable. I love it when God provides me with an instant sermon illustration Um, Probably because the ones I've thought of aren't really that helpful, and so he's had to step in at the last minute. Uh, But as I said, we're going away, and uh, we forgot to cancel our odd box delivery. Um, If you know what that is, it's um, a box of very delicious but not easily sold fruit and vegetables. You can get cheaper than you would get the same quality because they're sort of wonky shapes, so they don't fit the sort of pattern that certain fruit and vegetables fit. But they're actually really nice and fresh. Anyway, we forgot to cancel it in time. So yesterday, this huge box of fruit and veg turned up just before we're going down to the caravan for a fortnight. And we, we, I mean, if you walk past the house this morning, you'll know we did not have space to fit it in. And of course, what was given, what arrived, was amazing and brilliant and part of God's fruitful and delicious creation. But it's perishable. All the fruit and the veg that are in there, we can't just leave it for two weeks and come back to it and find that it's exactly the same. So we've been able to pass on to someone, which is great. But I thought, how helpful... Uh, at least one uh, silver lining to the cloud of the uh, payment that will go out to Oddbox for this month uh, is that that box which came, which we won't be able to eat, has been a reminder to me that although the things we have are good, they are also perishable. They're not going to last. And so it is with our bodies, the bodies that we have at the moment. They're good and amazing. 
and God's designed them and given them to us and we should try and care for them and care for others and care for all aspects of creation. But all of it, as Paul reminds us, is sown perishable. He goes on to say it's sown in dishonor, it is sown in weakness, it is sown a natural body. And we feel like that as well, don't we? Um, Emily went uh, paddleboarding this uh, week on our day off on Friday. She hadn't been for a very, very long time. Uh, and she enjoys it, but she just hadn't used those muscles in her legs. And when she woke up on Saturday, she could hardly get down the stairs. We all have stories, I'm sure, of what it's like living at the moment in a perishable body which has its weaknesses. But you'll notice that I didn't read the whole of those verses then. There's two parts to what Paul is saying. He's describing what we have now, but he's also looking forward to what we will have then. Let me read that bit uh, that Mike read for us, just those first few verses again. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Paul is describing what we all know full well. That the bodies, these amazing things that God has given to us, who we are, as wonderful and as fantastic as they are, they're perishable. All of us have a best before end date. You might not know what it is, but it's true. Just like that box of odd bogs veg that I had dropped off to my door, we are currently perishable. But, Paul says, when we are in Christ, whose body has risen from the dead, when we turn and put our trust in him, when we believe that he is who he says he is, when we have him as the Lord and Savior of our life, then we will share in his resurrection body. That is the hope and the promise and the joy. This whole section, of which we've only read a little part, comes from a question that presumably the Corinthians had written to Paul about. If you have a Bible open, have a look back up to verse 35. But if not, I'll read it for you. Someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? That's the question that Paul is addressing in this whole section, talking about how when we are in Christ, we will rise again. Now, one of the really interesting things, I think, in Paul's answer to that question, as he describes the truth that in Jesus we will rise not with a perishable body as we have now, but as an, with an imperishable body, is that what Paul describes and how he describes it is not so much answering the question, what, as in what will it look like, what will it feel like? He's answering the question, who? Who do we belong to? Who are we in? Whose life are we a part of? 
And he does that by developing the contrast between Adam and Jesus. Adam is the representative of fallen humanity, the first man who became a living being, verse 45, had a natural and a spiritual body, but he was made of the dust. He was perishable. Jesus, however, is described there as being like the second man, not the second one to arrive, but a second type of man, who only Jesus so far has been. And he comes not from the dust of the earth, but from heaven. He has eternal life in him. He did not have a beginning. He has always been. We know that from John 1, the passage we often read at Christmas, but I'm sure is very familiar to you. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. It wasn't that Jesus was the first thing that God made. Jesus is God. Co-eternal, part of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has always had life in him. So even when he came to earth and lived a life as a man, as a human, and was put to death, it could not hold him because Jesus has eternal life. And he was raised again in glory and ascended back to heaven. When we take our life and put it in him, when we take it out of our own hands and put it in his, when we cease to be united with Adam in our sin, but instead by his grace become united with Christ, then this hope, this promise, this future is ours. We share in his eternal life. What I really like about it is that Paul says that we are currently sown in natural bodies, and that's what's given us life so far. But when we die and are raised again, we'll be raised with a spiritual body, verse 44. It's not that we have a body now, and then when we're raised, we're just a spirit. No, we have a spiritual body. And I'm very grateful for that. Because if I'm absolutely honest with you, and I don't know how you feel about this, but the kind of cartoon pictures of heaven that have sort of taken over popular culture, you know, where you just sort of float off like a wispy cloud to sort of strum a harp. Nothing against a harp, it's a beautiful instrument, but I can't play it. And we just sort of drift around in a sort of ephemeral state. It, if I'm honest, it sounds rather dull. Kind of boring. But actually what Paul's talking about is life as it was meant to be. Life as God designed it to be. God likes physical things. He made it. He chose to design it. He gave us bodies and rivers and mountains and hippos and whatever you like. He designed them. He likes things to be. When he made the world in Genesis 1 and looked down on it, he said, it is good. He didn't look down and say, that'll do for now. He said, it is good. And when he raises us, he's going to raise us with new bodies in a new heaven and a new earth. We'll get to experience life fully as God designed. Isn't that wonderful? And we know it's true because Jesus himself talked about it in those terms. Just as he was about to die, he said, I will not drink again until I get to my father's kingdom. So we know that there'll be drink, not, not to get drunk, but, but to quench our thirst. There'll be a feast. It will be a party. It will be full of joy. 
It will be a sense of worship as we in redeemed bodies that cannot know sickness or pain or even death get to celebrate forever and ever and ever without end in the presence, unshielded, unveiled presence of a God who loves us with a love so much more than we can possibly hope or imagine. We will have a spiritual body. Basically, I'm looking forward to playing football with Jesus. <laughs> but whatever it is, it's going to be wonderful. And like I say, I don't think Paul doesn't try to focus on the what. I think it's probably too hard for us to grasp what that will exactly look like or exactly feel like because we've only known life now. We've only known life in these bodies which are perishable in a world which is both beautiful but broken. It's hard to imagine through our senses what it will look like and what it will sound like and what it will feel like, although it will be like what we know now, but perfect. Instead, Paul focuses on the who. Who will be with and who will be like. And the answer to both of those questions, of course, is Jesus. In Revelation the pinnacle, the peak of that prophecy, looking forward to what will happen when Christ returns and fulfills his plans to remake the heavens and the earth. The very pinnacle of it is not a description of what it looks like or what it sounds like or what it feels like. The peak and pinnacle of the whole of Scripture's journey, the thing for which God has been aiming and working and fulfilling his plans over the millennia is that God will be with his people. He will be our God. He will be dwelling amongst us in the heart of the new Jerusalem. It is who will be with that makes it heaven. And Paul says it's not only that we'll be with him, but we'll be like him. As was the earthly man, verse 48, so are those who are of the earth. Until we're in Christ, we follow after Adam. And if anyone thinks, well, that sounds a bit unfair. I wasn't there in the garden. I didn't partake of the fruit. Why am I in Adam? Well, All of us, without fail, have at times lived to say, I think I know best. I'm going to try and do it my way. Thank you, God, but on this one, I think I'll take it from here. We've all done that. We've all shared in that same rebellion that Adam made of thinking that we'd be better off trying to be our own God than live in the freedom of who the real God is. And so at the moment, we're in Adam, as Paul says, as was the earthly man, so are those of the earth. We will die like him. But then he goes on again. As is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. This is why Jesus says that we must be born again. We must have this new life that is born in us when we turn to Jesus and accept him as our saviour. We receive the presence of his Holy Spirit in us and we are, as it were, born again. No longer born to share in Adam's death, but born now to share in Jesus' life. Born again, so also are those of heaven. And verse 49 makes that even more clear. Just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. It's not just who will be with. It's who will be like. We will share in his eternal life. And the closest that we can get to imagining what that is going to be like is looking at what Jesus was like after his resurrection, hence the picture on the screens. As Jesus was when he rose again to new life, so too we will be. 
It's crucial for us to understand that Jesus rose again with a human body. As one of us. He died as one of us so that he could take our place. And he rose again as one of us. So that we in him could share in that new life. Jesus has taken humanity through death and out the other side. And when we trust in him, when we just have that faith that he has done it, we don't have to do it for ourselves. We put our hope and our trust in him. We're, we turn away. We say, sorry, Jesus, that I followed Adam down that path of trying to be my own God. I can see that you are the one true God who has defeated sin and death. I would love to have your life. And he freely gives it to us. Nothing he loves to do more. And show us his grace, show us his mercy, welcome us in, include us in him and this new life that he has. Instead of belonging to Adam and the way of life which leads to death, we now, through faith, believe in, belong to Jesus and have life that leads to eternity. Yes, our bodies, as we have them now, one, one day will die. And for Christians, as sad as that is, it will also be a moment of glory. Because in Jesus, through faith, we will be raised imperishable. Just as he was, so too we will be. Life as it was intended. Life in the unveiled and unrelenting joy of the presence of God. Life unending. I apologize for this story because I told it on Wednesday. But... um, it's good to laugh at me, so let's do it. Um, I had a talk on heaven when I was a teenager, and it struck me so much that I went home uh, that evening, and I leant uh, on the snooker table in my bedroom, uh, and I tried to imagine time without end. And as I said on Wednesday, I think the snooker table kind of helps with that. We can't do it. We can try and imagine something that's really goes on and on and on and on. But most of our experiences of that are not always the best things. Try and remember the thing that goes on and on. You sort of go back to math lessons or queuing for a ferry or something. So we have to have faith. We have to trust these words. These words that God has given us to say that if we're in Jesus, one day we will rise again. We will be with him. We will be like him because of what he's done. And yes, there's an urgency to share that good news. We must be in Christ. We must turn to him. If you haven't yet, please receive that gift of new life. Receive that gift of the hope and the promise that comes only from him. And yes, we pray and long to see those around us also receive that gift. Trust them to the Lord. Keep on praying. Even if you've been praying for decades, keep on praying. Keep on asking for those opportunities to speak about this Jesus who went through this death so that we could share in his life. Because God loves them and he loves us more than we imagine. And he loves to answer those prayers. Paul wanted to reassure the Corinthians that in Jesus we have this hope, we have this new life. He goes on to finish with some of the words which I hope one day I'll have on my temporary gravestone. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, 
O death, is your sting. Yes, it hurts for now. But it will not do forever. When we're in Christ, we'll be with him. We'll be like him. And we'll worship him forever. So let's pray. Lord, it's a big subject. Something at times we forget about, at other times we can't take our minds off it. We think of ourselves, we think of others that we've loved. We think of others around us. We know when we're honest that we have all shared in that life that Adam chose. And yet by your grace, because of your love, for your glory you stepped into this world you took on the death that we deserved and you brought your body through death and into life because of that we can trust that when we put our faith in you our bodies one day will be resurrected like yours that we will be with you enjoying your presence forever And we will be like you, life without end. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.